0: The only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. The cold Lapin. I'm sure I don't need to tell you about the show Breaking Bad. If you're like me, even if you didn't watch it, I'm sure you're familiar with the plot line. Breaking Bad was a hugely popular show that starred Brian Cranston making meth in his underwear. The whole cooking meth thing started because Brian Cranston's character was diagnosed with cancer and couldn't afford treatment. When I read about the show, I couldn't get past the fact that a believable premise of a show set in the most powerful country in the world is that someone needs to sell drugs in order to afford life saving healthcare? In Canada, where there's universal healthcare, Breaking Bad would be like one episode. Brian Cranston's character diagnosed with cancer, he gets treatment, boom, the end. But because the show was set in the United States, there needs to be five seasons of absolutely hellish circumstances. The kicker is that Breaking Bad is actually pretty believable. Healthcare is expensive and only getting more expensive in the US which means that Americans are shouldering more and more medical debt. Right now, there's $140 billion of medical debt outstanding in the United States. To tackle the topic of navigating medical debt and bringing on a special guest, Shelley, welcome to Money Rehab. Thanks, I'm glad to be here. We grew up together and you've done so many amazing things, as evidenced by your background since then. Can we start by... Just having you introduce yourself to our Money Rehab listeners and then telling them a little bit about what you do now.
1: Happy to do so. I'm Shelley Rosenfeld, and I'm a lawyer. I work as a co-director for the Cancer Legal Resource Center. We're actually a program of the 501c3 nonprofit Disability Rights Legal Center, and we provide free legal resources to anyone affected by cancer, whether it's a patient, a caregiver, a doctor, Anyone that has any questions nationwide, again, for free. And everything we do to help is confidential. I used to be a journalist, actually. And one of the reasons that I do what I do and why I became a journalist is because I really believe that so many aspects of life that can seem really intimidating can be broken down in a clear way. And the best way to understand something and to impart it to to someone else is to really get down to the big picture and then kind of fill in a little bit more of the details. So, What better way, as my course um, of a career has gone, has been to educate people about their rights um, now as a lawyer, but using my journalism background? Yeah,
0: of course. And I love the fact that you don't use legal jargon because there's so much of that. I try to not use financial jargon because there's also so much of that. I think that's what really stands in a lot of folks' way when they're trying to educate themselves about the law or about finances. So amen. It's awesome that you're doing that. It's speaking in real English that we can understand because the areas that you straddle are so important for folks, health and wealth. So when you reached out, you told us that a lot of people with cancer contact you and your organization for legal resources related to the financial toll of cancer specifically. Can you tell me a little bit more about the financial challenges that someone is up against if they have a serious illness like cancer?
1: Sure. And just for the context, the Cancer Legal Resource Center, we're a program of a larger nonprofit, the Disability Rights Legal Center. That's a 501c3 nonprofit. So a lot of people that contact us We don't charge ever for anything. So a lot of people that contact us come from a variety of different backgrounds and circumstances. So one important issue that people call about is what's called very commonly as financial toxicity, essentially the non-medical side effect of treatment that affects someone's finances. And that can be a really huge deal. Even if someone is employed and has the best insurance, cancer is an expensive illness. And when we talk about cancer, I could also include other serious illnesses because it's not just about one particular hospital visit or one particular moment. It can be ongoing treatment. And unfortunately, in some cases, A person would come back perhaps and have a relapse or have a recurring illness and have to continue on treatment. So there are a lot of different aspects, um, whether it's paying for a doctor visit, paying for really expensive treatments, and also, of course, wanting to keep their job and wanting to keep their insurance even with all those challenges. What is the average cost of cancer treatment? That is a really good question. There are so many different types of cancer, so many different ways that people, you know, might have just one surgery. Um, they may have, if it's an advanced stage of cancer, may have more serious treatment. So it's really hard to put, you know, one particular range on it. But I will say as follows, that um, there are studies that show that the number one um, reason that people file for bankruptcy Is because of medical debt. And so it is huge. If that is driving people to declare bankruptcy or really causing people to give up their home or to take on really massive debt, um, it could be huge.
0: Yeah, not only bankruptcy, but the biggest debt in collections, as you know, is medical debt, which just infuriates me because, you know, it's nobody's fault that, God forbid, they get cancer. And especially if they have insurance, they think that they're doing everything right for themselves and their families. You mentioned that even people who have insurance have to seek financial help from this idea of financial toxicity because of a serious illness. How much is typically covered by insurance? I know there's a lot of different types of cancers and a lot of different types of illnesses, but what have you been seeing as the issue there?
1: So a lot of people that contact us are are concerned just in terms of how much is their employee you know how much is their health insurance going to cover um but just to kind of break it down so somebody a lot of people are familiar with co-pays every time they go to their doctor they have to pay that amount now there's also the deductible aspect so depending on the insurance and what the deductible is a lot of people with cancer, unfortunately, will have to meet and exceed their deductible. That's when there's more support that kicks in. If a doctor is in your network, um, then the insurance company will pay a percentage. That depends, of course. You're on the hook for a little bit up to generally a certain cap, and then more of the insurance might kick in. Um, a really crucial aspect of that, if someone has cancer or another serious illness, they really want to keep their insurance. And so, keeping that, a lot of people get insurance through their job so keeping their job is crucial but that's precisely the time when it's hardest to keep their job anyone going through any type of medical treatment that is serious there's an emotional toll there's a physical toll and sometimes the last thing that someone feels that they can do is you know be present for their job work hard and have that stamina so part of what we do when someone calls us and they're saying I don't know how I'm going to pay for my cancer treatment. Or oftentimes people call us after they've already had that trouble for some time. We'll kind of attack it in a multi-pronged way in terms of, do you have insurance through your job? Here's what you can do if you need to take time off and still keep your job and your insurance. There's something called the Family and Medical Leave Act. Now, of course, someone has to be working at their job for at least 12 months. And that can be a challenge for people if you know they're just starting a new job. But if someone does have a job that they've been at for 12 or more months and they need to take additional time off to get treatment, they can keep their health insurance and their job open for 12 weeks. Their employer has to do that. They're not going to get paid. And that's obviously a huge challenge. But having their job open when they come back and um, having their health insurance can make a big difference for someone and the person can take time off to recover hopefully, to go through treatment. But if someone doesn't need those 12 weeks all at once, they can take it here and there. Maybe it's for a few days after chemo or a few days after some treatment and just to get their bearings and then show up at work. So there are things out there, for example, somebody might not even know, they've used up their sick days, they're concerned about losing their job because they can't afford to lose their health insurance. That's one way that we already can think about, okay, there's something on the books, there's definitely a lot of problems out there, But there are some solutions that can get you closer to the outcome that you're hoping for.
0: And if someone just becomes unable to work even past those 12 weeks, what are some of the options for income or replacement you suggest?
1: Sure. So that's a really good point. Um for some people, you know, they, they're really trying to stay at their job. Um, their job has accommodated them. Um, they've used up their sick days, they've used up their FMLA, and now there's their doctor is telling them, or maybe even at the outset, their doctor is telling them this is the, what the treatment roadmap looks like. You never know, but it looks like you're not going to be able to work for perhaps a, 12 months or longer. So there's something through the Social Security Administration and a lot of people might be looking at their paycheck um, each time and seeing money coming out for Social Security. Well, this is where um, you might find out a little bit more. There's something called um, SSDI and SSI. Now, they're... They both basically use the same definition of disability, um, where essentially it's someone that can't work, um, either a physical or mental impairment, for 12 or more months. So a lot of people might not know that, you know, certainly a serious illness can, can come into play. Um, but social, SSDI is Social Security Disability Insurance. And if you've worked for five over the last 10 years and paid Social Security taxes, and that can be whether you're working for someone else, or on your own. The amount that you get will be based in part on your work history and your income. So it does range. Um, but that's something that will, you know, you you won't be at your job, but you'll, you will be getting money from the government to pay. Um, in some cases, if someone is denied Social Security, they can appeal. There is an appeals process. And I would highly encourage anyone that is denied to appeal. It is really important. Um, but then if someone Let's say has way more limited resources. Um, there's something called SSI, Supplemental Security Income. Um, it is for someone who's disabled um, and has limited income and resources. That is another route. If somebody doesn't have that work history or is, for example, um, does you know was, has minimal resources, that will also um, be an option that someone can pursue Social Security income. And so, if someone is concerned about long-term not being able to work i would highly suggest looking into those um and also i should mention some states have their own short-term disability programs. So that is also something to look at. I talk about the federal baseline, but states can always go beyond that. So it's worth just taking a quick look. And what I always believe, especially when someone has a serious illness, if there is one person that you trust, whether it's a family member, a friend that wants to help and says, how can I help? This is one of those things, whether it's you know bringing you a meal, coming with you to an appointment, This is one of those things that someone can help you look up and start to think through a plan of approaching because it can be overwhelming, but at least if you know hmm, something is out there, then you can dig a little bit deeper if you're ever faced with this situation. Hold on to your wallets, boys and girls.
0: Money Rehab will be right back. Now for some more money rehab. Of course, I am a big fan of negotiating everything, including medical debt. Are there any tips or tricks that you've seen work if people are, first of all, thinking, I, I can't believe it's negotiable? And second of all, like, Ooh, what do I do?
1: I think a big part, whether you're talking to your um, insurance company and trying to get something covered um, or if you're talking to somebody at the hospital, Build that positive rapport. These are oftentimes people that you'll have to interact with again. If somebody isn't helpful, you may want to write down their name to hopefully you won't get a chance to talk to them again. Try so you know try to call back, try to speak with someone else. And if they are helpful, write down their name, give them a compliment, figure out when are their work hours roughly. And if you can't get a direct extension, maybe find out what's the easiest way to get in a hold of them, and positive report can go a long way because sometimes it's that extra mile. I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories from people that someone who's part of the insurance company will just give them a little tip. You know, they usually deny this on the first try, but if you appeal, there's a good chance they'll approve it. Or did you ever think about calling your doctor's office and seeing if your medication from the pharmaceutical company has a patient assistance program. They'll just throw out some little helpful tips, just like you're talking to a friend. We're all human beings after all. And sometimes if you just tell them, you know, I'm going through a lot right now, I could, if there's anything else, try, you know, have those gears running, try to, you know, help me out. If there's any other program, they might just, They might just remember something that they had forgotten and they know you really appreciate it. So having that rapport also saves you the time of explaining your situation again. Oh, I talked to you yesterday about such and such. And you don't have to go through the whole timeline. Write things down too. I mean, I I know that someone dealing with even not a serious illness, you know, we forget and it's important to say, well, you know, we talked about this yesterday um, at around this time and, you know, here's what we covered. And having that can kind of help someone uh, refresh their memory. And if they've told you something's covered, maybe you could, you know, work beyond that and get get that indeed covered. So um, I think that's a huge um aspect of just remembering who you're talking to and getting someone that's helpful.
0: In your experience, it seems like you've seen a lot of debt collectors show some sympathy for cancer patients.
1: Yes, and certainly... You know, once it goes to collections, there are um, there are rules in place where a collector can't call and harass someone in the middle of the night. There are laws out there. Um, Certainly, if someone is saying that you owe something with uh, from collections or identifying themselves as such, ask to see it in writing. I think that's huge because a lot of times when someone's accumulating medical debt and feeling overwhelmed, it just feels like the world is turning against you and everything that can go wrong will. So if someone calls and says you got to pay this. Or the hospital won't talk to you again. You might just think it's true, whereas you know it's wrong. And and so I would say ask to see it in writing. Say you know, okay, um, I'd like to just make sure to review everything. Make sure that they send it to you so you can see if it's legitimate or not. Don't give out. Information just because someone's asking for it. Try to find a little bit more and see if it's someone who's taking advantage, or if someone um, really is just you know a scammer and, and isn't even a collection. So I, I think that there's a lot out there that people, especially vulnerable people, that that may owe some money um, and think that you know they're dealing with so much they just want to pay off collections. Make sure that it's legitimate, and you know if they're if they're calling out weird hours or making. Uh, very serious threats. There are laws to protect consumers out there. And so these are all, all types of things that, that hopefully someone just knows that are out there. And if they feel like something's wrong, they can look a little bit deeper and find out those solutions.
0: The clients that you meet with are in such dire straits. You mentioned that many of your clients go through bankruptcy. Is that an option that you recommend to clients who simply can't pay these bills? What are the pros and cons of doing that?
1: Sure. So, yes, bankruptcy is something that, for example, we'll cover in in presentations just because it's something that that someone perhaps should know about. But, you know, we really hope that it doesn't get to that point. Um, We always say and I'm by no means a financial expert, but when we say with dealing with debt, that there's a good idea to think about secure debt versus unsecured debt what's a necessary expense versus a luxury and there might be a way where you can prioritize paying off your home or your car which is secured debt it's secured by those items whereas a medical bill that isn't is unsecured debt um paying off what you need to again not neglecting it completely so that it would prevent you from getting care but maybe figuring out a way how to manage that while you prioritize your expenses and hopefully can avoid going into bankruptcy. I also recommend someone looking into COVID-related protections if they ever come up for pandemic protections. Um, They could also help someone with cancer, whether it's managing bills, whether it's preventing, you know, eviction in some circumstances. I know a lot of those are, are fading away, but just to know that there are options out there that somebody hopefully can avoid for example at uh, you know bankruptcy and 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 doing that but sometimes that is unnecessary aspect um and and so we we oftentimes hopefully will tell someone to uh, you know if they can avoid bankruptcy it's a good idea but if they need to that's something that we can certainly help give them some basic information um and also you know look at whether that's something they want to consider but hopefully hopefully you know they won't have to get to that point at least by then they're prioritizing expenses, they're looking, maybe there are some types of organizations that can provide some financial assistance out there.
0: So you guys are the only ones that are really free.
1: I can say that we are really free. Um, I'm not, there are other organizations that, that don't charge. We don't provide financial support. We don't send anyone a check for $500 to help pay for treatment. But we can do research about other organizations. I will say also, if someone feels like they need a lawyer, we provide uh, resources about legal aids in that person's area if someone's low income. So for example, you know, you know, someone might feel like they need to talk to a lawyer um, for some kind of appeal or if they're dealing with issues at work where they need some accommodations and their employer is treating them really differently because they need to take time off for treatment, for example. So we will oftentimes refer to someone, um, to a legal aid in someone's area where we know that there might be a very nominal charge or just even free if the person qualifies. We also have something kind of neat where we have something called a professional panel where lawyers across the country volunteer pro bono uh, to give half hour for free consultation for someone that comes to the CLRC the Cancer Legal Resource Center for Help. Now, if somebody wants to work long-term with that lawyer, they can work something out for them. But if someone, for example, is in California or in Alabama and you know they need, they're need, they having an issue with their doctor, it's a medical malpractice issue, and they um, they come to us for, for resources. We provide them those free resources, and there's someone that is licensed in that area. We'll refer out um, to someone who could at least talk to them for half hour for free. We, but we are, yes, we are 100% free no matter what. You could be really rich and call us, and we still won't charge you. Or you could be really foreign calls and we won't charge you. So that is what we do. Um, but because we help so many people, we can't actually go to court for you and we don't send you money to help pay for treatment, but we can find out at least um, some resources that might be helpful or some organizations relating to someone's diagnosis that might be able to provide at least more support resources. It can take a long time, but hopefully you know, you can at least avoid the scams and hopefully find out more support. Talk to people that have a similar diagnosis. If you feel comfortable through those support organizations, find out what they've done. Um, A lot of times, you know, if it's worked for them, it might work for
0: you. For today's tip, you can take straight to the bank. When you have a loved one who has been diagnosed with a medical condition, of course you want to help, but it's hard to know exactly how to be the most helpful. My biggest piece of advice is simply to ask. I love asking, how can I be most helpful in pretty much all situations? But especially in situations when a loved one is thrust into a position where they feel out of control. Because by asking them to tell you what they need, you're giving them some agency back. If they're not sure what exactly they need, I love Shelly's recommendation to offer to negotiate bills and call insurance companies for them. With these high medical bills, time as well as money can be a huge limiting factor. So give your loved one a helping hand and some time back. If you're interested in learning more or even getting some aid from Shelly's organization, you can follow the link in the show notes.